Gene and Roger is the story of the two most powerful, influential movie critics of their time, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. You can find Gene and Roger on the Big Picture feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a quick trailer. It seemed like a crazy idea for a TV show. Take two rivals and let them duke it out about movies. But Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert quickly became the most popular film critics in the country. Millions of viewers tuned in to see whether they vote thumbs up or thumbs down. This is the story of two unlikely superstars who changed the way we argue. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Brian Raftery, and this is Gene and Roger. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I'm joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. And this podcast was built by hot, nasty, badass speed. I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew. Chip. 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 This is our 100th episode, and we are going to do the main fantasy characters, part two, as told by Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, which is, for my money, uh, one of the best movies that's ever been made of all time. The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> the Ballad. Yeah, saying that felt weird. I don't think any people call it Talladega <laughs> or Ricky Bobby. I don't yeah. know if anyone calls it the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. It would, they could have totally gotten away with just calling it Talladega Nights. <laughs> they should have just called it Talladega Nights. I feel like they were between Ricky Bobby and then Talladega Nights, and they could and they just put, got both in. All right, we're all hopped up like spider monkeys. Craig, would you please lead us in grace? So we're recording on Tuesday, and uh, it's a Wednesday, likely if you're listening now. But Aaron Rodgers showed up to training camp on Tuesday, and we can't help but make him now a prominent character of the 2021 season. And so there's honestly like 30 different quotes that you could attribute to the Packers <laughs> in many different ways with the, right. the front That's office and Aaron and Jordan Love. My first one is I was thinking about what would have happened if the Packers did not kind of negotiate a deal with Rodgers to come back and they were going to go with Jordan Love. And I couldn't help but think about when Ricky Bobby's dad is dumping water on him and he goes, get up. And he's like, what? And he's like, do you want to drive or do you want to go to prison? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, real simple, son. Cops are coming. Got a kilo of Colombian Bam Bam under the car. Time to be a man. You got hair in your peaches or what? They would have just thrown Jordan Love into the fire without Sink or Aaron Rodgers. Sink or swim. What the hell are you talking about? Real simple, son. Cops are coming. There's a kilo, a Colombian Bam Bam, under the car. Time to be a man. 
You got hair on your peaches or what? Fear or prison, Jordan Love? Don't snort these lucky charms. <laughs> anyway, uh, I honestly, do you think Jordan Love's a little relieved? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. I feel like, no, he's probably like a little deflated, right? Like he probably would have loved to just take over this team. But he's going to next year. Yeah. Yeah, I, but I don't know if relieved. I, I, maybe he is relieved. I don't know. That's maybe like he didn't want to be the substitute teacher. I'm guessing he's a competitive guy who wants to play and wants to start. If you get to this level, most of these players, I think, are going to have that mentality. If he's if he's glad that he's not playing this year, like that's a massively terrible sign. So I'm going to just go ahead and say that he's probably a little bit bummed secretly that it's not it's not his team. When I was watching Ricky Bobby, the I was the Packers thing I was thinking of was when they're in the bar, they're playing pool, and then Sasha Baron Cohen comes in. And then he like throws Ricky Bobby down with the arm. And it's like, I was like, like he's the Packers and Ricky Bobby's just Aaron Rodgers. And they're like, they got all the leverage. And they're like, just say, I love creps. <laughs> so what if you just said, I love a really thin pancakes? That is a fair compromise, no? That is a fair compromise. That's very fair. Very fair. Okay. Now, because then everyone know I really meant crepes. That's actually a pretty good compromise right there. Break it, Pepe Le Pew. As you wish. All you have to do, just say I love crepes, I'll let you go. He's like, break it, Pepe Le Pew. And I'm like, Roger's just not going to come. And then what do they, they reach their compromise, which is, I like fluffy, pan I like fluffy, thin, fluffy pancakes. I like really thin, really thin pancakes. <laughs> And then Devonta Adams is coming in like, don't say it, Ricky. These colors don't run. <laughs> My God. And he's like, hey, to be fair, I had a whole mess of crepes this morning. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Wait, can I add one more? Yeah, yeah. Get it okay. out of your system. So Get it more. out of your system. Last Get week, the Packers calling Rodgers. Uh, I'm just going to play the scene right now. <laughs> Hello. Hey, man. What? You up? No. Wake up. I need to talk to you. I think your house is haunted. Hey, come on, it's 2.30 in the morning. I can't sleep in here, man. I'm scared. Look, there's nothing to be scared of. It's a new house. There's a lot of creaks and moans and groans in it. I miss you, bro. Hey, I don't know why I'm talking to you. Do you remember that I hate you? Hey, one more thing. Yeah? When you have the stereo on at the same time as the TV, how do you control the volume on the TV? Why do you want to listen to the TV with the stereo on? Because I like to party. You know what, man? Why am I still talking to you? Come on, we were doing good there, man. I'm taking care of your house good. I, I keep snapping back into it. It's like a trick you're pulling on me. All right, I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, man. Talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love that. So, I don't know. How do you feel about this? How, does it change your opinion, basically, first of all, on Aaron Rodgers this year? Were we? I think all of us were more or less assuming that he is going to come back. Just a question of how soon. I didn't really end up moving uh, Rodgers at all in my rankings. I kind of just was like, I think he's good where he is based on where we have him ranked, which is the QB8 right now after all this. So you guys are all updated, right? Yep. My, I personally have him as the QB8, and I think I'm between the two of you, right? Heifetz, where do you have him? Man, I'm thinking, so I, I'm thinking about moving him a lot higher, like top five QB, because the thing I keep thinking about is like, I don't know how I'm taking Justin Herbert over Rodgers. At the end of the day, 
He's I, like Rodgers. He probably won't be quite as good as last season. But I'm just thinking to myself: Am I really going to take Air, Justin Herbert over Rodgers? Like one good season from a rookie who now has a different coaching staff. Even if in theory they should be better, I just I don't know. I'm like I kind of feel dumb if Rodgers is way better than Herbert. Like I kind of can't pull trigger on that, and I can't pull trigger on Russell Wilson over Rodgers either. Really, you can't pull a trigger on Wilson either, huh? Um. So w- for me, the Herbert thing, I think what what gives him a slight bump is that. He's going to be running, I think, a little bit more. He's a little more athletic at this point in his career. That's a big deal. I just keep coming back to the idea that Rodgers played so incredibly out of his mind efficient last year that he's just going to have some regression, particularly in the touchdown rate. He had 48 touchdowns and five picks. Like That's a career-high 48 touchdowns. I'm guessing like it would be, probably be pretty reasonable to, to expect and project that he'll have fewer than 40 this year. When you say like... Are you expecting him to just... Oh, I guess actually there's 17 games this year. So whatever. In 16 games, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It just doesn't seem likely that he's going to to repeat that incredible, incredible efficiency that he had last year. It's just he's more, much more likely to regress back towards what he was in 2019, 2018, which 25 touchdowns and 26 touchdowns. So they scored a touchdown in 80% of the red zone trips, which I believe was literally probably the best figure ever because there's I think there's only 20 years of data but regardless 80% probably the best ever probably unsustainable but put the regression aside for a second like it is real at some point that he's on the Michael Jordan last dance warpath fight <laughs> season two baby and like we literally how much did we joke last year didn't we, we not have the same conversation last year about Rogers like like probably not gonna be that good but we were like oh but Jordan love and then what happens like at some point when you're talking about all-time great players Regression is a different kind of conversation. Are they going to score in 80% of the red zone drives again? Probably not. But is Aaron Rodgers capable of putting up an extremely petty campaign once again? Yeah, I think that's 100% accurate. Like, I think that Aaron Rodgers is probably more motivated this year than last year, especially because he wants to prove that he's really good so he can choose whatever team he wants to go to in 2022. Do you think he needs to prove that this year? That he's good? In his own mind. Like, this is... I do not think it's... It, it is... An oversimplification to say that literally the last dance doc coming out accelerated everything with the Packers. Like, I think Rodgers, like, put all of that in his veins and all of that petty Michael Jordan energy about Michael Jordan, Jerry Crass is flowing through him. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to talk about, but like, I don't know. It's I I can't put Rodgers outside my top eight, like after he just won MVP, even if he's a little worse this year, I just I can't take him outside the top five. And like Dak is Dak is also a good one. I don't think Dak's going to run as much post this horrible leg injury he had. Like I don't think he's a big runner. Why are we necessarily saying Rodgers is going to be worse than Dak? Because Dak scores red zone touchdowns. Zach he, Dak in might the not. past, but I think that he will change his style of play. I mean, I think uh, Kellen Moore already came out and basically said that he's not going to change his style of play. He's he's full go in practice already. I really don't. I don't think we need to like discount what Dak's going to do because of the injury that much. I, I personally, that's how I believe. Um, I can understand. I really actually can understand why you'd put him above Justin Herbert um, and why you might have him above Russell Wilson. I'm, I would say Jalen Hurts, just the floor he's, he brings with a, as a rusher is going to make him more valuable in fantasy. And then, I don't know, like when you're choosing between uh, him and Brady, Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady, like why do you think you'd have him higher than Brady? Like Brady's weapons are better. Uh, he's doing the same sort of deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's got the same motivations, like prove people wrong. He's going for that next ring. Like, this is the best, most balanced offense. They got a really good offensive line, all that stuff. Why do you, why would you have him over Brady versus, you know, 
I guess, having them in the same tier? I mean, that's a fair question. I think that the the short answer is, I, I think, for, to be clear, I think the Bucs are going to be really good. I think that their Super Bowl teams who gel toward the end of the season often carry that into the next year. I think that, generally speaking, it's dangerous to assume that a team that was good in December was good the next year. I think with Super Bowl teams, there is a swagger, and I think that the Buccaneers entering next year will look a lot more like the second half of last season than the first half, and they're just going to be really good. Having said that, I again, it's I'm not against Tom Brady. I just think that Aaron Rodgers is bankably going to be unbelievable. And I, I don't know. I, I Part of me just feels weird. It's like, I feel weird that I have to defend Aaron Rodgers as a top seven player. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like I, I, I think it's strange that, again, the Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert thing is very similar to me. With Aaron Rodgers, I'm getting 11 years of certainty that he is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen play football. And he just last year proved he's at the top of his talents. Now, is he going to throw 48 touchdowns to six picks again? Maybe it won't be quite that good, but he's clearly as good as he has, or at least maybe he's not quite as good as like 2011, but he's clearly unbelievable. It's Jalen Hurts could still suck. Like, I love Jalen Hurts this year. Yeah. I absolutely love him as a quarterback, but I still can't take, and even me as the ultimate Jalen Hurts guy, well, not ultimate, but like, I still would take Rodgers ahead of Jalen Hurts just because there's a decade of track record and he was way better. Jalen Hurts could get benched. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's all, it's not, it, that's all possible. The certainty. I think the hard part, just to wrap this up real quick, is the hard part about putting Rodgers in the top five, and this maybe is just like an indication of where the NFL is with quarterbacks, that we're in a good spot with quarterbacks. There's just so many guys that could outscore him. I, I could easily see my, see him getting outscored by. Like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott. Those Dak Prescott, those guys all feel like locks to me. Uh, Russell Wilson, if he looks closer to he did in the first half of the year than the second half of the year, which I believe he will. Uh, Justin Herbert, who had like an all-time great rookie season. And then we're not even talking about like Trey Lance and Justin Fields, these, you know, dual threat quarterbacks that could start early in the season and end up just being runaway successes and, and smash hits and, and like the breakout guys of this year. Jalen Hurts could be the sort of underrated Josh Allen type guy who makes a huge jump. I don't know. It's just there's so many guys. And I'm not even talking about Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. There's so many yeah. quarterbacks in the fantasy world. In the fantasy world, particularly. No, I'm still a late-round quarterback guy. Like, I'm still probably not drafting Aaron Rodgers just because I'm still fine to take those guys outside the top 100. But if all those guys and Aaron Rodgers were at, on the board at 101st pick, I'm still going to take Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but Heifetz, you talking about like how it's hard for you to imagine Rodgers not being a top-five quarterback like in fantasy. I think you're just kind of conflating it with real-life football, and it's hard to separate. Like The simple fact of it is like the six guys ahead of him or the five guys ahead of him run, and he doesn't. He's the best quarterback on the board who doesn't really run, and I think that's why he's where he is. Yeah, no, that's entirely fair. I'm just saying that I think that there's a certain point right around the de- I just think that there's some assumptions baked in. Yeah. One of which is I, I know that Kellen Moore's saying that Dak won't they won't that Dak might run the same amount. I kind of need to see it. What's he gonna say? They're, they're, Dak's gonna play differently. That'd be kind of weird. Jerry Jones has insinuated, but Jerry Jones will say whatever is on his mind. I don't want to just take Jerry's word <laughs> as law. But I kind of right. I, I think that the idea that Dak will just be running the same amount, I'm a little dubious of it. So I think that right around Dak is kind of where I get I don't know. Yeah, I think that's right. Six, seven range. So, all yeah. right. So, I sticking think that's fair, with the Packers, though, Rodgers being back, does, what about receiver? Does this change? I moved Devontae to my number one receiver. What about you guys? I had him at two, and I yeah. just, the certainty of Rodgers being back, I put him over Tyreek Hill for number one. Yeah, it's pretty uninteresting. I mean, yeah. I did too. Yeah. More interesting than that, then, now that Rodgers is back and we don't have to worry about that, where, how many top flight running backs and or Travis Kelsey 
have to be off the board till you draft Devonta in the first round. What is the break point? I think, like, so honestly, the question, which is an interesting one, is do you take Aaron Jones or Devonta Adams? So my the way I would rank it is I'm taking McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Kamara, Elliott, and Barkley as my top six. Sorry, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin, Derek, Derek Henry. Henry, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley. Those are my top six, and I don't really see any okay. reason to put, you know, Adams above that. Unless Barkley, as we go through the next few weeks, is clearly not going to play early in the year, which uh, it's maybe trending in that direction. But until then, we just don't know. And that to me, that now the question becomes, do you take at number seven? Who do you take? Aaron Jones? Do you take Travis Kelsey? Uh, I have Devonta Adams as my number one receiver, so he would be probably the guy I would take in that position. And I'd be comfortable taking him that high because I think he's just going to have, again, the overwhelming vast majority of the targets in that offense. He's going to be the go-to guy, especially in the red zone. They got that mind-meld connection, him and Rodgers. And like the, like you guys are saying earlier, the, the last dance vibe that's going to happen because now Devontae Adams is, you know, I think he, he got back on board with having a long-term extension with the team after Rodgers came back. This is what happened like yesterday, today. And so maybe things are going to be okay. But like there is still potentially this last dance style vibe here where I think these two guys are going to lean on each other really, really hard. So, um, I don't know. I think that seventh spot is really just kind of the intriguing spot in drafts right now. I think you could argue it's higher. I personally think that there's a top four at running back, McCaffrey, Cook, Zeke, and Derrick Henry. And at five, I think you could make the argument that you could take Devontae Adams because I think Saquon and Kamara are a tier below those guys. And mm-hmm. Devontae Adams is as sure as they come. And honestly, I think you could make the argument that Devontae, Tyree Kill, and Stefan Diggs could all go in the dead middle of the first round. Then Saquon, Kamara, Chubb, and the rest of the guys. So I agree, but at this point, we're just talking about Saquon. And when we're watching Ricky Bobby, the thing I thought of is like, Dad, you want to go fast again? And it's like, the whole thing is like, I want to go fast. And I'm like, when is Saquon going to go fast again? I feel like there's like a philosophical difference that we have. I've been down on Saquon from the jump. DK, you have him, what do you have him, five or six? Uh, I've got him six, yeah. I have him like late second round. Right. I think I have him 18 or 19. Like, and But again, we're working with the same information, but I think that where we're coming at it from is, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think you're looking at it as, I'm going to treat him like he's healthy, and then if we learn he won't be ready for week one, I'm going to move him down. I'm treating it as, when we learn that he's going to play in week one, I'll move him up. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's semantics. It's just, you guys are, one of you is glass half empty, the other's glass half full. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm a Giants fan, just, just, just guarding my heart. Maybe that's really what's going on here. But I don't know. I'm not pes- I'm not optimistic about this situation. And I just kind of continue to think like, if you take away the fact that he's Saquon and he's really cool, what is the argument for Saquon in fantasy football? It's volume and it's explosiveness. He's a crazy good athlete and they're going to give him like a million touches because he's the offense. Both those things are totally up in the air. We don't know his recovery from this. We don't know what his current level of explosiveness is. And we don't know what the volume they're going to give him. And there's, now again, Maybe the Giants have big plans for him and they're being guarded because Joe Judge comes from this Patriots Belichick version of PR. It's possible. But I just don't see any evidence that he has the same explosiveness from last year or he's going to get the volume. And so I don't necessarily know if there's a huge difference between him and the guys ahead of him. Like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, maybe that's a little extreme, but like the Austin Ecklers, Nick, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones. Like, I feel like to move Saquon, like to be 
He's way closer to that group than the Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Zeke's for me. I'm curious what you think, DK. It's tough because I think I can I can empathize with where you're coming from and understand why you're being cautious. But I think it, it, maybe it's just the fact that he is such an elite athlete, such a great athlete, and such a dynamic player that I'm like just assuming that it's all like a smokescreen until you know until he actually gets out there or doesn't get out there. I'm just kind of assuming he's going to be back and they're going to ride him. Also, the other thing that I just think I come back to again and again is. You know, these coaches can say everything that they want to say, but like when they're trying to go win games, you think he's going to put in like Devontae Booker and just like hope that's good enough. You know what I mean? Like they're going to ride their best players and and Barkley is like no doubt one of their best players, one of the best skill players. So I don't know. That's It's just where I am. But if he uh, if we get in it like two weeks from now and it's very clear that he's not going to be ready to start the season, then yeah, I'm going to bump him down. It's kind of like what we did with Michael Thomas. Um, but we didn't have that report until we had it. And so, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't want to just guess that he's going to be whatever it is, 30% or whatever, 40% usage early in the season. I'm just kind of assuming he's not going to be. I think he's going to be like, they're going to bring him in and he's going to play a lot. Yeah, it's kind of like what Heifetz always says where he's like, are you going to be more upset if you don't take this person and they're great more than if you took them and they suck? And Saquon's right in that kind of category. And I probably would side with Heifetz here where, Man, if you spent the fifth pick on Saquon and he's just once again kind of being Saquon, he's nicked up, they don't play him as much, I think I'd feel like more of an idiot, you know, letting Ezekiel Elliott go by just racking up 25 touches a game like to start the year, you know? No risk it, no biscuit. But it's the same biscuit. You get the biscuit with with Zeke Elliott. It's the same biscuit. <laughs> Is it though, Craig? There's other biscuits. Well, no, that's... All right, wait. So the other quote, maybe my favorite quote in the entire movie, is when uh, Ricky Bobby's like, I did what you told me, Dad. I was like, if you're first, you're last. And then he's like, oh, hell, Ricky, I was high when I, I said, said that. that. <laughs> oh, hell, Ricky, I was high when I said that. I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. You're first, you're last. You, you can be second, you can be third, fourth. Hell, you can even be fifth. What are you talking about? I, I live my whole life based on that. <laughs> I was thinking about that. With Derrick Henry, just because, like, where are you going to take him? You could take him second. You could take him third. You could take him <laughs> f- You could take him fifth. And I'm just like, I. it's strange because, again, we're all working with the same information, and it's like you're, it's kind of revealing what you think. There's one school of thought of, you know, maybe don't overthink it. This guy has led the NFL in rushing yards for two years in a row. He just has, like, 33 touchdowns in two years. He is, generally speaking, I don't know, an undestructible force of nature that somehow gets faster the the further into a run he gets, better the further into a season he gets. He's a Terminator. On the other hand, it's like, well, he doesn't catch passes. Yeah. Yeah, he's Marshawn Lynch 2.0. Every season, we doubt him. Every single season. And I'm, then he keeps doing it. It doesn't matter. He just keeps getting better each season, but it doesn't matter. I, I Even this year, I'm like, well, the passing upside is not quite there. Arthur Smith's gone. My first round of rankings, I had him two. And then I moved like just like just starting from scratch. And then I moved him down to five because I'm like, there's so many reasons he's going to regress, right? And I was thinking about it. I'm like, I feel like I'm not learning from history. Or maybe like, and that's really, I guess, my question. Is putting Derrick Henry... Is drafting him outside the top four or five, is that actually just, you know what, sometimes you hit with the right amount of blackjack and you bust, but like you have to keep doing the right amount 
and that eventually Derrick Henry probably won't be able to do this? Or are we just not learning that he's like a special player and exceedingly fun to have in fantasy? <laughs> well, who doesn't have him in the top five? I don't think anyone's ranking him outside the top five. Okay, fair. Well, I... Uh... Yeah, I think it's just that inherent. I mean, what's the argument here? I hear switch it around. Derrick Henry, let's I have him ranked fourth behind Zeke Cook and McCaffrey. What's the argument for him to outscore Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook this year? Injuries. I think the injuries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there's not one. No, I think McCaffrey's number one. I think Cook is two. I think there's I think there's now a question of like, is it Kamara, Derrick Henry, or Zeke at the three spot? Yeah. I'm starting to lean. I think it's Zeke, Henry, Kamara for me. I go Zeke, Henry, and then Kamara way later. Kamara is now the ghost of the Michael Thomas injury, but I am concerned for all the, like, uh, for the Saints as just as an idea. I'd rather have guys like Aaron Jones, Saquon, Chubb, Jonathan Taylor over Kamara. I think Kamara is an early second rounder. Hot. That's hot take. I think, so first of all, with Henry, going back to Henry real quick, he had 378 rush attempts last year. That's 66, sorry, yeah, 66 more than the next guy. 66 more than the second place guy. Like, we always talk about chasing volume. Chase volume, chase volume, chase volume. And Henry has it in, like, spades. And he's damn efficient. He's, like, absurdly efficient in terms of, like, ex- like yards over expectation, all that stuff. He's always so good. He's just this runaway freight train. And, yeah, like, every year we're always like, oh, well, this is the year that he regresses or whatever. This is the year where all those previous carries catch up to him or whatever. It's like, why would we believe that? Why do we believe that? I don't know. I think he's I think he's locked in, locked solid. Um, he's not having to battle it out with like a guy like Kareem Hunt. That's the difference between him and Nick Chubb, who has a similar type profile in terms of not going to catch a lot of passes. But this guy gets so many carries, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but when you when you look at the the la- when you look at the touch leader in the last like five years, they're all guys who catch passes besides Derrick Henry. Twenty twenty it was Derrick Henry, but twenty nineteen it was McCaffrey, then it was Zeke, then it was Le'Veon Bell, then it was David Johnson. It's really rare. That's somebody like a Derrick Henry who only runs the ball, leads the league in touches. So you have to wonder, like, what are the odds this is going to happen again? Do you feel confident he'll get 400 carries? I think part of the problem is that the history of running backs suggests that Derrick Henry will eventually just fall off a cliff. And it's not fun to predict that. Like, like it's not. it brings no one joy to an August say, I think Derrick Henry, just his career falls off a cliff this year. But, like, you don't want him on your team when that happens. And I do think that's part of the problem. Like, I don't know if there's someone that's necessarily more fun. I think Derrick Henry the last two years has been more fun than even Todd Gurley. I mean, maybe the numbers weren't quite the same, but like as a peak running back, he's probably the most fun guy in fantasy to have since Adrian Peterson was having like the 2000 yard season. The other thing is he gets better as the year goes on. Yeah, that is cool. He gets better as the year goes on. It's like a leap down the stretch every year, I feel like. Okay, so I'm down on Saquon. Craig's down on Kamara. (laughs) We're all, we've all just bent to the knee of Derrick Henry. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like 
available H-Track all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Craig, another another quote? Yeah, so another main character this season, I, I got to go with uh, rookie running back Najee Harris and the Steelers, who, you know, the rookies, man, they're the babies of fantasy football. I couldn't help, but, but we love them. We love rookie running backs. I couldn't help but think of the uh, <laughs> the dinner scene with Ricky Bobby praying to dear eight pounds, six ounce, newborn baby Jesus. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. We just thank you for all the races I've won. And the- <laughs> <laughs> Golden fleece diapers. Uh, that's oh how I God. view Dodgy this year. He, the sky's the limit, man. He's my Jesus Christ uh, for the Steelers <laughs> offense, hopefully, <laughs> for people drafting him. Uh you know, I'm hoping he brings in a new wave of success for the Steelers' offense and somehow makes their offensive line good. Oh my God, that scene! Ricky, Ricky Bobby, just dominating that grace, just just making that grace his bitch, dude. Grandpa Chip, when he's like, he was a man, he had a beard. He's like, I'll make the money. I decide which Jesus, baby Jesus, is my favorite. And but it's true though, like the rookie running backs are always the favorite. It's just like, oh, it's just like sweet. Eight pounds, six ounces. And your Jesus. golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat, <laughs> balled up fists. <laughs> Just infant baby Jesus. Also, I have to say, the outtakes from that Grace scene are maybe my... Uh, one of the funniest things on YouTube is just Cal not just go just John C. Riley just riffing on all the versions of Jesus. Yeah. Like, cause the one that's in the movie and there's like a few different versions of the movie actually because they filmed so many freaking scenes of them improving, and it's like the one in the movie is like, I'm just front row and Jesus is singing Leonard Skinner with an angel band. I'm in the front row hammer drunk. But like the outtakes are just like, you know, my, I picture my Jesus like, you know, you ever seen the show Manimal? I love that. And I'm just hammered drunk. <laughs> hammered drunk. Oh my God. I actually think I learned the word hammered drunk. Like I learned that hammered meant drunk from that movie. I don't think I'd actually heard that before. Wow. That movie was 06. So yeah, you were probably, yeah. 06. Preteen. I don't think I'd heard it before then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that God. literally taught me. Hammered that made drunk. me feel old. Um, <laughs> you had been hammered drunk by then. I had graduated high school. Or sorry, I'd graduated college <laughs> by then. So no, no biggie. Were you drinking those same drinks that Ricky Bobby's dad was drinking the whole movie in college? <laughs> yeah, like the, I can't remember off the top of my head. This is something we noticed when we were watching it the other day is uh, Ricky Bobby's dad Reese Reese Bobby was drinking the same like tall boy alcohol the, the entire movie. It was like laughing clown malt liquor or whatever it is that is like the sponsor <laughs> of Ricky Bobby's car at the beginning of the movie. Oh my god, malt just malt liquor, love it. Classy. <laughs> At the end, when he has no sponsors, so there's the cougar, and he's like, "What's me? <laughs> That's you, Ricky." All right. So how? Yeah. How are we feeling about Najee? I love. I, I love. I, I think Najee Harris. I think will be top five in touches this season. Yeah, I think that's the baseline, and I think. At the very worst, he's a guy on a really inefficient offense who gets a lot of carries and like puts up kind of like low end running back one, high-end running back two type numbers, you know? A startable guy with a, a solid floor. He's getting 80 yards a game on the ground and 30 in the air receiving, no matter how ugly it is. However, I mean, listen, Pittsburgh needs to overhaul everything this year. And that's what Matt Canada needs to do. They have a new offensive line coach. Like, they need to run play action. They need to have more motion. They need to pass to the running backs. And Najee can do that. But 
The Steelers, other than last year, have a really strong history with number one backs. I mean, obviously Le'Veon Bell, but guys like D'Angelo Williams were like extremely productive when they were starting. And I think your guy, Mike Tomlin from flying coach. Yeah. We just, I mean, I, I think that Najee Harris is going to be one of the, this dying breed of like a true three down back and not a three down back necessarily in the McCaffrey mold of like, he's this, the whole offense runs through him. Just, they actually will keep him on the field for three downs. He will do everything er, anywhere. And it's going to be like, kind of like drafting like a Steven Jackson from like 12 years ago. Like he just will get all, he will get all the snaps. And at the end of the day, I feel like the steel the Steelers will be a bad offense. I think that Ben will be like the captain of a sinking ship. But if Najee Harris is top five in touches, you're going to want him on your fantasy team. And both those things are true. And so my skepticism about the Steelers as a team, I don't want that to confuse that I'm extremely into Najee Harris this year because there's just this dying belief in that we want the same guy in the field at all times. So uh, I want to just throw these numbers out here. And again, this is assuming this is based on a 16 game season. So just remember that. But um, over Le'Veon Bell's first five seasons in the NFL, he averaged 308 touches per season. Um, and really, if you're talking about per 16 games, it was almost 400. But he never he, he played, you know, 13, 16, 6, 12, 15. So per 16 games. He averaged 398 touches a game a year. That's 25 touches a game. Yeah, I believe that's 25 touches a game because that's one of the reasons Le'Veon sat out. Actually, is that he was averaging 25 touches a game, and he was like, "Why am I going to play for them on a franchise tag when they're just going to use me up, and then I'm going to go play for, and then I'll be useless? Like I'm saving those touches for someone else." So I actually, I'm a Le'Veon Bell's about side about the whole thing, but that like it's crazy. Like if Najee Harris even gets 25 touches a game, like he might be like a top two pick next year. Yeah. So what I was going to get to here, so you know, whatever. Say he averaged around 350 touches per season or whatever at Le'Veon Bell. Derrick Henry is the only player. No, sorry. Two players, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, exceeded 350 touches last year. Josh Jacobs was third with 306. And it probably would have been McCaffrey if he was healthy. Correct. So there's probably like three or four guys. So you guys you guys saying he's going to have top five amount of touches, I don't even think that's like a wild like guess. It, I think it's like you can almost lock it in as if he's if he's healthy. Um Zeke might get up there, you know what I mean. So there's a few guys um that could be in that that range, but like how often do you see rookies come in and just like hit 350 touches? Like this could really happen with Najee. So I I'm almost like looking at my rankings now and I'm like, man, I got him too low. I almost think I what's should what's the highest up. DK, what's the highest someone could take Najee Harris in a draft and you'd be like Oh man, that might have been a really good pick. Are we all gun shy from Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year when everybody started creeping yeah, him up? That's what I'm I'm like, I'm, should Najee Harris be like a fringe first rounder instead of like a like a mid first, late first? I kind of feel like he should be. Honestly. Like, what is what is the argument for him not like other than injury? Everyone seems to agree he's going to be a three down back unless Mike Tomlin treats Najee Harris unlike every other running back they've had, which seems wild because they took him in the first round. Like, if you take him the first round, he's not going to get a reduced role. When, like, who are they going to re re replace him with? It's not like Benny Snell is going to take third down exactly. snaps from him. I think he's locked in. I think Najee Harris is fantastic. Let me ask, wait, one question about Najee. Why is he below Joe Mixon? So, Mixon's another guy who's had tons and tons of volume when he's gotten the opportunity. He's like, in terms of opportunity to score fantasy points, Mixon's been, like, up there um, per game over the last few years. It's just the problem is he's been injured a lot. So I think, you know, I don't know why people necessarily will have like have more faith that he's going to, you know, not get hurt again. Um, 
But he's another guy, just like Najee Harris, who is locked in, going to be a really high-volume touch guy, which I think, you know, you know based on what, how he's been used in the last few seasons, um, when he's out there on the field, it makes sense. And he's talented. This we, we, I think, generally speaking, are bullish on uh, the Bengals' offense in general. They're going to score points. They're going to run a lot of plays. They run at a high pace, all that stuff. I think all that goes into um, Mixon being so high on a lot of lists. And he's we got him right here. Like, in our rankings, it's 11-12, Mixon, Najee Harris. And I think that's probably right. I guess once you get to Mixon versus Najee Harris, you might, you know, if you think they're going to get similar touches, I guess you go with the offense that you think is going to be better. That's going to score yeah. more points. Yeah. Yeah, and personal preference, too. That's the tiebreaker. Uh, DK. Yeah. What's your next quote? All right, so as I was watching the movie, it dawned on me. So especially one point in the movie where uh, Ricky Bobby wins a race and his crew chief, Lucius, gets pissed off at him because he's taking so many risks and, and just driving like an asshole. Um, and basically, he's like, you're not going to live forever. And, and <laughs> Ricky Bobby's like, oh, I'm not stupid, Lucius. No one lives forever. No one. I'm not stupid, Lucius. No one lives forever. No one. But with uh, advances in modern science, my high-level income... I mean, it's not crazy to think I can't live to be 245, maybe 300. Ricky? <laughs> and I was just thinking, it just reminded me so much of Tom Brady, who, like, out of anyone <laughs> in the NFL, might live to, like, 245, 300. You just I'm never just know. Just blind, kind of arrogant confidence. <laughs> it's like... Uh, but anyways, it's not just Brady, but what that got me thinking about is it's it's Brady... So Matt Ryan, Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's a lot of older quarterbacks who, you know, Matt Ryan's 36, Big Ben 38, Rodgers 37, Ryan Fitzpatrick 37. They're all helming offenses that we, I think, generally speaking, are high on, at least their skill positions. You know, with with uh, with Brady, he's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, uh, you know, Fournette and Rojo. Obviously, you don't have them super high. And then with Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley and Pitts. Two very highly ranked players at their positions. Big Ben, Deontay, Claypool, Juju, uh, Rogers with Devontae, and Tanyan, depending on how high you got him. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick with Glorin, Gibson, Logan Thomas. So there's a lot of like high-end, exciting fantasy players attached to these old quarterbacks. And I'm not saying that all these guys are going to fall off a cliff, but like historically speaking, all these guys are at the age where you could see them take a huge nose dive off the age curve in, in terms of efficiency and effectiveness, explosiveness with their arm and all that stuff. Um, so well, it just kind of dawned on me that we're walking a little bit of a tightrope with some of these guys. Can I ask you like a like a I, this sounds like a like a stupid question, but I'm serious. Are these guys old though? Well, like at what point do we have to just look around at ev and I mean every single sport? And just admit that the age curve has changed and we are not like it just for the like the last like the earlier this century, it was like like 20 years, not 100. Like the earlier like 20 years ago, you know, you get to 30 and it's a real problem. And then Federer and Dal extend tennis and then Brady and Breeze extend football. And then it's happened. LeBron's extending basketball. I mean, even Simone Biles, I know she just pulled out, but like it wasn't a physical problem. She's old for Olympia. Like every sport, the age curve has changed. Uh, serious question. Like, do we think? Like Matt Ryan at 36, is he still old? So let me answer that. I'm going to kind of change the subject a little bit. It's, I don't necessarily even know if it's age curve so much as the ability to recover from injuries that is worrisome. Um, oh, yeah. So like, for instance, I do, I agree with you. Like 
the age curve has changed for quarterbacks, especially, and, and a lot of players in, in pro sports because of sports science, the ability, the medical advances for for like getting people healed up and lasting longer, and just the the um you know methods for keeping guys going longer are all like really really good. Plus, like I think the NFL is just built better for quarterbacks to go long because now now um you know the the big hits are such legislated out of the game that you're yeah. just more often going to survive like a full season. Um, However, like just like the Peyton Manning thing stands out to me, like he suffered an injury that he couldn't come back from. And, you know, I just worry a little bit that, you know, despite the trajectory for a lot of these guys, it feels like they're just going to keep playing forever. But, you know, it's just harder to come back from injuries when you're old. I, I understand that profoundly. Like my, I hurt my knee the other day and it's just like I can't do anything. because <laughs> like I'm old. <laughs> I'm old and my goddamn ligaments are old. And you know what I mean? And so... um you know, on the other hand, these guys do have all these like crazy, you know, like hyperbaric chambers and like platelet therapy and all that stuff. Who knows? Well, that's what you were doing to rehab your knee, right? Uh, yeah, you just I'm, hopped in your hyperbaric chamber. I'm totally and doing all fired that up stuff. the platelets. I'm about to go to. I'm going to go to Europe and get some uh, platelet rich injections in my kneecap. I mean, I um, just read in the newspaper that they put a pig heart in some guy from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means? Oh, he didn't live. He didn't live. It's just exciting. Uh, We're trying things like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I could not help but think about Tom Brady uh, during that quote, which is funny because this was from 2006. So he was like, it's a visionary quote by Ricky Bobby. 40 there. is certainly the new 30 in football. Yeah. Do you, uh, wait, serious question though. Ser- I, I'm, uh, I'm serious. Do you think Tom Brady outlives all of us? <laughs> well, yeah. Probably, yeah. Like we'll all die before Tom Brady, right? The way yeah. I drink on the weekends? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm drinking those tall boy Reese Bobby malts every Saturday night. So <laughs> laughing clown. Yeah, I assume half the reason Tom Brady got so <laughs> drunk at that flow parade was because that was the first time he drank in like I, I don't know the last time since the last thing. His before, tolerance must Bowl. be just on the floor. There must be nothing. There. Nothing. All right. Well, want to go to younger quarterbacks? Yeah. So I feel like we should talk about the Cliff Kingsbury Kyler Murray experiment, and um, it's potentially the final year for Cliff if things don't work out. And it kind of made me think of the scene between Will Ferrell and Amy Adams when they're sitting there at the bar and, and Will Ferrell's talking about how you got to win. And I'll play the clip right now. You got to listen to me here, okay? You got to win to get love. Everyone knows that. I mean, that's just life. Look at, look at Don Shula, legendary coach. Look at, uh, Look at that Asian guy who holds the world record for eating all those hot dogs in a row. Look at Rue McClanahan from the Golden Girls. All three people, all great champions, all loved. Do you want to know why I think that you should... I just love that, you know? <laughs> Don Shula, the Asian guy from the hot dogs, and Rue McClanahan. Adding Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> what, what is Rue McClanahan? I just love the Golden that so Girls. Much. Uh, is he talking about Kobayashi, right? Yeah. Legendary Kobayashi. Yeah. Um, Kobayashi didn't do so well. After I want to, I, I do want to know what they were thinking when Rue McClanahan, like, is it just cause she's banging all these guys and just, sir, just I, I don't actually sl- know who Rue McClanahan is. I gotta Miami. be honest. From Golden Girls. That's, I, I, I mean, don't I actually just, know who that is. It's gotta be a Will Ferrell. It just sounds like a funny Improvisation. Name. Like he just threw that out there <laughs> and they're the like, Girls. sure. Three people, all great champions, all loved. <laughs> You can tell he's like his his brain was turning. He's like Don Shula, and he's like hmm. <laughs> he couldn't think of Kobayashi's name, and then he said Rue McClanahan. Uh, oh but God. we got to toss in Cliff Kingsbury. You know he's got to win, Cliff. Uh, yeah. You know if things weren't 
aren't really going too great. They're in a really hard division, so it sucks. And Kyler has progressed. Like, they've gotten better, right, in each of their last two years. But they took a huge step back. Uh, uh, the floor was low. Yes, it was very low. They started, I, the year they went five and 10 was Cliff's first year. They were better that year. There was some hope. They went eight and eight last year, but they started the season decently strong and then they collapsed and it it did coordinate with Kyler's shoulder injury, but mm. there was a lot that didn't look great in terms of Cliff's play calling. Uh, I mean, one, the team was super undisciplined. They led the league in penalties. There were terrible fourth down management. There's clock management problems. Uh, he was risky at all the wrong times and not risky at all the wrong times. He was really simplified the the offensive routes. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins basically ran like three routes the entire year. They got figured out by defenses. The Patriots in week 11 kind of figured them out. And then after that, they, they really slid. They didn't make the playoffs. And like I said, they got the Rams, Seahawks, and Niners in their division. I would say Cliff has as good a chance as anybody to be the first coach fired this year if they started the year one and four, one and five. And Kyler, you got to wonder, is he just a flash in the pan kind of a you know, good stats, bad team guy, as, as our boss right. would put it. Or is he going to make that leap? You know, he's a decent deep ball thrower. He can run and stuff and hit these little passes. But, like, can he actually, like, be a a, a lead a team down seven in the fourth quarter type of quarterback? I think you made a really good point about the routes and, like, them being figured out post-Patriots because that is what happened last year. Shout out to the football outsiders. Uh, they wrote an almanac that's so good before every season. The Cardinals chapter is fascinating because they discuss how Cliff, the quote-unquote air raid, Cliff Kingsbury's run game is as creative as any team, and the passing game is, like, the least creative in the entire NFL. Like, like it's almost like he doesn't use an NFL-level route tree. Cliff Kingsbury's still running plays based on, like, a college route tree, which obviously NFL receivers can run more routes than college ones can. And there's just not a lot of imagination in what they're doing. And that once NFL defense has kind of figured out and took away what they're doing, it's just very boring. It's very vanilla. And it's like the air raid's a lot more like a light breeze. Yeah, I mean, also, like, this just goes against what we all thought. Like, didn't Cliff seem like the Tony Stark of the NFL when he came in and he was going to kind of <laughs> be this, like, super high-octane guy? And the offenses have been pretty middling every single year. Yeah. I think there's even, like, this um, impression or, I guess, just feeling among fans, I think, that that he's holding Murray back as a passer. And I think, you know, that's a big deal because... um they were supposed to be like the next big quarterback coach pairing, you know, that would just take the offense, take offense to brand new heights. Um, even at, like, even before he hurt his shoulder or whatever, um, Kyler's passing stats were just kind of fine. Like they weren't that great. So like, obviously over the whole, over the full season, his passing stats were disappointing. But even when like in theory, he was healthy and all that, like they were just fine. Like in the middle of the pack, I'd say, you know, 7.6 yards per attempt, sub 100 pass rating not pass rating is not everything but it's like a good sort of general gauge i think on like what you're doing yeah you know it's, it was just like i don't know he, it's it's disappointing that he's not he, that he hasn't done better so far i think for a lot of people especially and, and you know um especially considering you know what he did at oklahoma and all this stuff he's one of those guys who fantasy clouds the way we think about him as a real player probably more than any other quarterback in the league I think yeah. that people assume he's a lot better because he was so good last year. But if you actually watch him, I mean, him just dropping back on like a third and 14, I, I don't feel super good about him. I don't think he's even in the top half of the guys in the league. <laughs> you feel good about anyone on third and 14? <laughs> yeah, some of them. Uh, Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 will, I will say this. The, my favorite play in football 
is third and 20 for the Chiefs because it happens a lot <laughs> that they get like a holding yeah. on second and 20 and it's incomplete. Watching Mahomes on third and 20 is like the best play at football. Yeah. But Kyler, I agree. Like, to, he had what ten rushing touchdowns the first ten games. It really skews things, and mm-hmm. so, you know, it's you know if he wants to be like the Golden Girls. Let me ask you guys this: Out of the top four quarterbacks, that are kind of the consensus top four: Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. If one of them had to finish outside the top ten, not for injury reasons, by the end of the season, who are you picking? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, it's it's probably Kyler or Josh Allen. It's yeah. Kyler or Josh Allen to me. Because Lamar's got the rushing floor, Mahomes is the second coming of Christ, and then Kyler, <laughs> sweet baby Josh infant Allen. Jesus, yeah, uh, man, it might be Murray, and but like to this point and to this overall like discussion, it's because of Cliff, right? It's because I don't trust Cliff very much. Yeah, and Kyler even this this off season has been a little vocal about it. He kind of has expressed uh, discontent with like the team last year. But you picked a good one for like winner, like people love winners for Kyler. It's important. I believe Kyler went freaking 40 and 0 in high school. Like Kyler Murray is in the small shorthand of people who can be considered the best people, the best player in the history of Texas state, uh, Texas high school football. Like he won like three championships, 40. He was playing in front of like 18,000 people when he was like a sophomore in high school, went to college, played two sports. What what twelve and one at Oklahoma made the college football playoff, and since then is under five hundred. They keep coming in last in the division. Like it is a reality check for this dude. He's never. He literally said the other day he's never not made the playoffs since he was like a child until like he got <laughs> to the NFL, bizarre. and it yeah. eats at him, man. It's an interesting like it's an interesting uh, story. Yeah. yeah, like I guess I would say that the the Cardinals look like a team where it could potentially be a tire fire come like week six. Ooh. Yeah. I agree. From what I have read and what I've kind of like looked into, there's a real chance this year that we finally kind of see the real offense he wanted to bring to the NFL when he came up, you know, from the college ranks and, and namely a bunch of four and five wide stuff, like true air raid. Because basically the first few games in, in, you know, his tenure in Arizona, they tried doing that. It felt like they ran like a whole bunch of four wide stuff and just really wasn't working. And part of that is like you got a rookie quarterback, like he's trying to figure things out. Like there's so many variables to it. But um, halfway through the year, they basically were like, okay, we're just going to run a more traditional NFL offense, you know. And I wouldn't, and I just, I guess I would say that Cliff, like Cliff's offense doesn't have like a real strong identity. You know what I mean? Like, um, and so this year where they've got, you know, they got AJ Green to come in, um, you know, they stud. drafted Rondell, Rondell Moore. Yeah, it's total stud. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe we'll see Christian Kirk break out finally. I just think they have the horses to do it a little bit more than they have in the past. And, and, you know, big third year for Kyler Murray. Maybe we'll see it this year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, a few other quotes here that I just we, we have to get to. Yeah. So the scene, <laughs> the scene where Ricky Bobby's trying to get his mojo back. He's he's went back and lives with, lives with his mom. He's uh, 
you know, making up with his dad and his dad has this brilliant idea for him to conquer his fear. And I'm just going to let Craig play the clip because it's a long one. Listen to me. If you're calm, that wondrous big cat will be calm too. But if you're scared, that beautiful death machine will do what God made it to do. Namely, eat you with a smile on its face. God, you just follow me wherever I go. Well, he's just looking at you. So you're saying if I just calm down, the cougar will be okay? You got it. Oh, damn it. Come on, son. You can do it. Come on. Oh, come on! That's it. And no sudden moves. Like, is this too fast? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. See? That's a little see? quick. You see what he did? Yeah, you got to be a little more deliberate in your movement. I'm just going to get in there. I'm just going to grab the handle. I'm just going to get in there and drive that car. But I'm going to do it calm. Calm. Piece of cake. I was just trying to say calm. Oh! Oh, man! Sometime today, son. Okay, here we go. I'm getting in. The whole time I'm watching that, I'm just thinking about Sam Darnold. Um, by the way, I love the part where he's like, it's the it's the view from inside the car, and Will Ferrell's just like going back and forth. He's like, oh God, it's following me. It's following me. And his dad's like, you gotta be a little more deliberate in your movement. No, no sudden movements. <laughs> it's just so classic. The the uh the logic here is unassailable. If you can get into a car. With a cougar, then you can then you can master your fear. You can conquer your fear. I think that Sam Darnold needs to conquer his fear. It also fits because he's going to a new team called the Panthers. Mm. I know so, somewhat similar to Cougars, you know, in the same uh, phylum. I don't know the different like sure. na- nature things. Sure. I don't know what there. Um, but yeah, s- similar species. Is that what it is? Regardless, King Philip. Uh, what's the th- kingdom? We're fi- just gonna uh, plow right through that. We're just gonna plow right through that. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't think that's good content? Need to conquer my fear on just making shit up. Um, yeah. So, how we feel about Sam Darnold? Are we, are we hopeful? I, I, I believe in him in real life to sustain DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, but I don't think you should draft Sam Darnold as a fantasy quarterback unless it's like a two quarterback league. Yeah. But I think the Panthers will be much better. <laughs> He's gonna get in the car, and the the and the Cougars just gonna attack him. Yeah, Sir Purr. Sir Purr is just going to absolutely... Well, Panthers are Cougars. Actually, it's a whole thing. So Florida Panthers, like the the Jaguars should be the Panthers. And then the the Panthers are only in Florida, but they're extinct. And then Jaguars are actually Cougars. It's like a whole thing. I'm Googling Panther versus Cougar right now. Like a bunch of fucking dorks we are. And what are you liking to find? Just like a fight between them or just the differences? Just what if they're the same thing? So cougars, they're the same. Cougar is a distinctive species. Hmm. Uh, that's all we need to say about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, Other right, one, I'm Justin Herbert. This. I could not help but think of Justin Herbert when they're like, "Oh my god, don't you put that knife in your leg?" Like the Tyra, how he got the job with Tyra Taylor getting stabbed. It was like, "Don't get the knife out with the other knife." Yeah, <laughs> Tyrod's pry it out. Tyrod's yeah. got a needle in his pry sternum, out. and they're like, "Get another one in there," and they're wedging it in. <laughs> Cut around the meat. We'll use this knife to pry it out. Yeah. We'll pull it out. Now we got two. No, 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 no. Just don't no, no. think about it. This Cut around going the meat. Down a bad path. Cut, Cut around the meat. Okay. Stretch it out. Just stretch it out. Oh. Stretch it out. Take out a plug. In the right there. Yeah, got a plug in the meat. Another stupid one is uh, so the Saints are now the Superdome is the Caesars Superdome, and they became the first team to be sponsored by a casino partner. Which, you know, is a little bit of a risk. 
you know, gambling, new era. And I couldn't help but think of when Ricky Bobby's driving with the massive Fig Newton sticker across his windshield. And he goes, this sticker is dangerous and inconvenient, but I do love Fig Newton. Dude, the other one, I was thinking oh, of Carson Wentz when they're watching Ricky Bobby play basketball in the wheelchair. And they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just psychosomatic. And they're like, so when you say psychosomatic, you mean he can start a fire with his thoughts? <laughs> and the doctor's like, no, not at all. I gotta say, the wheelchair scene might be the funniest scene in the movie, secretly for me, when it cuts to him and he's just kicking other people. It's so good. Dude, then they ripped that off in Anchorman 2 or whatever. They just they just stole the whole thing. He's like, but it's blindness. Yeah, he's like, he's resigned himself to the fact he's gonna be in a wheelchair. He's like, yeah, I got this van. It's like fully, fully loaded. He's like, and you paid for that? He's like, oh yeah, that's paid in full. Like, god damn it. Dude, the other thing I was thinking of, uh, Devontae Adams, I was like, when wait, when Ricky and Cal are like at the bar and he's like, you know, Ricky, I was thinking it'd be really awesome if, you know, one time you could slingshot me in for the win. <laughs> like Ricky, he like <laughs> thinks about it. Ricky's like, well, hmm. Okay. But if, but if you win, how am I, how am I going to win? <laughs> he's like, right, <laughs> it's like right. Devontae Adams has like 18 <laughs> touchdowns for the Packers and like none of the other receivers have like five. <laughs> Marquez Valdez Scantling's like what like what if I got a couple touchdowns and he's like hey man there's a Ricky Bob's like there's nothing wrong with silver right silver's just as good <laughs> one time uh, it would be really awesome if like you could slingshot me in for a win yeah but okay but if you won how, how am I gonna win yeah think about it no I was thinking about it. <laughs> I mean it's not like you're finishing 18th Nothing wrong with silver. Nothing wrong with silver at all. <laughs> I'm just kidding you, man. I don't want to win. <laughs> <laughs> and then, wait, one last one. I have the, like the second scene or whatever, when he's like, hey, son, how long has it been? Three, four months? He's like, 10 years. He's like, 10 years? I got to lay off the peyote. <laughs> I was like, that's just John Gruden showing up to the NFL 10 years after he retired. Like, being like, oh, yeah, this will be easy. And just trade away all my good players and bring in other ones. He's like, which team's Rich Gannon on? And they're like, oh, he's not in the league anymore, John. <laughs> the guy who plays Ricky Bobby's dad is the best, by the way. Gary Cole. Yeah, he's an amazing actor. So much he was Lumberg in Office Space. He's in V. So many. That's where he's from. I was going to say, he, his oh. the best scene in this whole movie, which we are not going to get to because I don't know how he could use it, but is when you know he finally shows up to Ricky's race. And goes to Will Call and gets <laughs> the tickets that Ricky's left for him every single race. It's a sad story. And he turns around and immediately fucking scalps him. <laughs> Two tickets here. <laughs> he goes back to drinking his laughing clown malt liquor. Love that character. Listen. Uh, yeah. I know people don't. It's a problem with the Academy Awards that we don't award comedies. We don't award actors and comedies. It's extremely rare that they even get a nomination. Gary Cole deserved Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> yes. I'm telling yeah. you for playing Reese Bobby. Like, he was incredible. Yeah, getting a little itchy. Why don't they have an Academy Award for Best Scene? I should. It's called The Rewatchables. We got to get fantasy on that. <laughs> you got to get fantasy on changing the Academy Awards? Yeah. All right. Just He's, uses, he is big just time uses now. influence, yes. Yeah. Final scene, and then we can close it out. And this doesn't have anything to do with fantasy football necessarily. However, uh, when Mr. Dennett, like the younger Mr. Dennett who's taken over and who hates Ricky Bobby, he's like, uh, they're asking who he is. It's after he won the first race. He's like, who is this guy? He's like the crew chief or something. 
And he's like, his name's Ricky Bobby. And Mr. Knight goes, Ricky Bobby? He's got two first names, which I was just cackling about, you know, because I have two first names. Right. And <laughs> it's like something that's funny to me. Um, and so I made a list of all the best two first name players in the NFL. Craig said I can't read the entire list. It's too long. It's like 40 players. It, well, here's why. It's be- DK, with, with, with all due respect, and I'm saying with all due respect, <laughs> I don't give a velvet painting of a whale and a porpoise getting it on for this list of two-name people. I love when he tells Mr. Dennett that he's sorry that he had to get his balls surgically removed and his drunk <laughs> wife, Molly Shannon, is just cracking up at, his hus- at her husband just getting... <laughs> She's like, this is my life. This is my life. <laughs> he's like, you can't just say anything after you say it with all due respect. That's not what that means. He's like, sure as heck does. That's exactly what it means. <laughs> That's exactly what it means. <laughs> okay, so instead of reading the entire list of two first name players you guys just have to give me your favorite ones the most boring guy with first two with two first names is matt ryan that's the most like two <laughs> first name guy ryan, that's it's just so wow matt, matt ryan, ryan. <laughs> who has the best name if you flip it imagine if it was ryan matt oh that would not work one. wow if you flick it if you flip it oh my god that's it gordon melvin <laughs> i like gabriel davis if he went by gabe or if he went by gabe and dave gabe dave Gabe Dave. Tom Brady, I mean, I know it's kind of a ubiquitous name now in our in our consciousness, but that name's pretty basic. Yeah. Josh Allen? Sure. So all these quarterbacks. Allen, Josh, that wouldn't really work. Quietly, I think the answer... Uh, wow, this is hard if you flip... Honestly, no, it's Jackson Lamar. What are we talking about here? Jackson Lamar would still work great. Fun fact, I went to college with a kid named Jackson Lamar. <laughs> Did you really? I did, yeah. Here we go. Totally admitted uh, wow. On that note, I'm just going to give my favorite one. It's James Conner. Yeah, that's a good one. There you go. Okay. I think that's all we got for Talladega. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I mean, Great movie. Great this movie. podcast is the best there ever was. Well, just remember that this podcast <laughs> pisses excellence and that this podcast was built on hot, nasty, Badass speed. We should have started this episode by screaming. We should have all had Mountain Dews, damn, to start the episode. I'm all hopped up. I mean, we still can. Chip, I'm all hopped up. Maybe like we we go back. Wait, listen, listen, listen. We we go back and post. We put it at the front, Mm. and then when people who actually listen to the end realize that we didn't actually start it that way, and now now they can learn. It's like wow, they edited it after because it was really funny. And they went, wow, Craig, Craig's a great editor. Yeah, there you go. And now you're just finding you, that out. So there you go. Thank you to everyone who listened to the end. If you Thank don't love you. if you don't love this podcast, then fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Ticket. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, White Snake. Oh, yeah, from the movie. That when, him and Amy Adams making out. <laughs> Susan, I've never heard it's you. It's just talk like, like the this. music video with the hair. Yeah, like that. She was fantastic. 